Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Has God been good to you this morning? Like, did God meet you this morning? You came to church looking for something, and you didn't know what it was because, well, you're human like me, and sometimes we come to God and we give him a, a list of demands, but uh, if he would give us what we demand, it wouldn't fix us. And sometimes he's so good, and he's so, uh, such a, a good father in heaven that he comes and he just knows what you need already. So he's prepared it for you like you prepare things for your kids, what they need, not necessarily what they want. And, and there's a, a, a man from San Antonio... Here to preach to you, call, call Pastor Landon Kiker and his wife Kelly. Can you guys just stand? We just want to honor you. Thank you so much for coming here. We love you guys. It's incredible. Their family. Come on up. Come on up. Pastor Landon's going to preach for us today. His, his son says to me yesterday, we were walking, and he looks at me and he says, my dad's taller than you. Thank you. That's what it feels like to be me. I just <laughs> wanted you to feel that. Sorry, that's me. No, I love it, man. I love, my, I love confident kids. And uh, these guys are amazing. Their family is incredible. And they're really important to us. This is not the first time that we've met him. We've spent time on the phone together. His, some of his people have spent time on the phone with some of you just to help us reach more people, reach the one more person for the, with the love of Jesus Christ. And look, at Venue Church, a life saved is worth everything. And that is what we are all about here. And so, Pastor Lanham, I asked him to come in here. I actually listened to your, uh, to your sermon series. He's from Livingstone's uh, Church in, in San Antonio. And he did a series on the Enneagram. And there's something here that he's going to, I'm going to let him preach this. This is all, this is all what he's going to do now. But there's something about, um, I was listening to it and I, I think I texted you. And I'm like, wow, man, like incredible. And I'm like, we need to do that. And then I just sent a text, something in the text that was like, why don't you just come and preach it? <laughs> it's smart. It's delegation. It's smart. And so we're going to finish this series off here. He's going to give us two sermons about this, not both today. You get home and eat your hot dogs today. But he's going to intro the whole series on the Enneagram today. And I just want to bless you and honor you. He's one of my mentors. And he is taller than I am. So give him a huge hand and bless this man. All right. Come on, while you're clapping, give Jesus the best round of applause, the shout of praise you can. Come on, you can do better than that. We're talking about Jesus. Give him your best. He's worth it all. He's worth it all. He is the only reason I am breathing and alive today. Jesus is it. He's everything. And, I, and if you know him, you, you feel the same. And if you don't know him, I, I pray that you meet him and find him. And I pray that that day might be today. Jesus is irresistible. Um, Pastor Corey and Aaron, thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, we have come to love Canada this weekend. We, we, love, we love being here. This is the only red shirt I own. So I wore it today for you. Um, uh, I did find a shirt that I, I actually, I, I'm a little ashamed of this, but you guys, you have to love me anyway. So what we did was... I, I Googled Cana Canadian slash American shirts, and I, I found some, and it said USA, like E-H, like USA. I didn't know if that would be offensive, so I didn't buy it, but if it's okay with you, I'll wear it next time I come. That's all. I just, well, I wanted to fill this out with you first, uh, but 
Um, I, I have a just, I have a picture of your pastor that that I I love this because it shows some vitality and some energy. Do you guys have that picture of Pastor Corey? Um, I, I'm not sure if they have it or not. I, the one there he is. That picture of Pastor Corey. Um, so let, let me let me tell you what this picture means to me. Okay, so Renee sent me this picture because uh, right before, literally right before, this is what I've been told. Right before he got in the bucket car of this motorcycle, he was on the phone with me talking about coming here. And I was like, where are you? Why is it so loud? What is going on? He's like, it's Canada Day. And, and, and I was like, that's awesome. What, why are you on the phone with me? Like we just, and he jumped in the car. I wanted to tell you guys what, what leaders do. They guide and inspire other people. And so his... His role is is very very important, and and there, when when God gave Pastor Corey and Aaron a vision for Airdrie, it wasn't it wasn't to create another corporation. It wasn't to to start a business. It, what God put in their heart is is to develop people, uh, to create a movement of people that would help other people. Uh, find vitality in Jesus. And when I look, when I think of the word vitality, this picture is now ingrained in my brain. And so we, we love your pastors. I, they've been, give it up for your pastors. They're awesome people. While we were worshiping and you guys were singing that first song, I only knew one of the songs y'all were singing today. It was that last one, but the first two were awesome. And, and I, and I, heard something in, in my heart in, during the first song. And so I, uh, I pulled out my notes and started writing some things down. And it, and it, was, a, it was a word that I, I, I felt like was for venue, if, if I can share it. And, and you guys were singing, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And, and I couldn't help but write, write a few things down about that. And, and I wrote, venue church... Are you ready? There's a hope in this house. There's a vitality in the house. And then I heard God say, be proud of how far you've come, but do not get comfortable because the plans I have for you, says the Lord, are going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Are you ready? So God is, God has um, Airdrie in his heart, and that's why he sent you here. I mean, he, he is very, very proud of everything that Venue Church is and what it's become. And I, I couldn't be more honored to be here and, and honored to accept the invitation to come. And I wanted to speak to you today about God's favorite creation, which is you. You are God's favorite creation um, God, God's favorite thing he ever did was make you. And, and that's a little hard to believe for some of us because we're so down on ourselves. And we, we do the devil's job for him most of the time. Uh, and so he doesn't have a lot of work to do because we're our own worst enemy. And I believe, uh, and you'll find out today, that there's some freedom to come to you today. We've all walked in seasons of life that have left their marks on us, and that creates our perceptions. It, it affects our beliefs and our behaviors. And these things we've walked in affect the way we see ourselves. 
We've all got a past, and whether you embrace, have embraced it yet or not, there's some things that you've walked through that have left their mark on your life. See, four years ago, God called Kelly and I to plant a life-giving church that would lead people into a vibrant life with Jesus. And, and that's what we say a lot. We say vibrant life, vibrant life. We say that a lot around our church. And, and there was a problem, though. When God gave us that mission to lead people in a vibrant life with Jesus, I didn't know how to do that. And God will always call you to do something you don't know how to do. Because if you knew how to do it, then you wouldn't need God at all to get it done. So then it wouldn't be a God-sized dream. It's just your good idea, which is a very different thing, uh, which is fine, but it's just not God. It's just good. There's a big difference. Uh, but when God called us to lead people in a vibrant life with Jesus, I was very nervous because I myself had not lived a vibrant life in quite a while and maybe never had. I was a little bit concerned about that, and, and there's a lot of trepidation in my heart, and I didn't know. I went to God with it. I said, I don't know about this. We're a little afraid, but, but God had a plan involved, and I knew that God had always taken care of me up to that point. Even in those times of my life where I completely doubted him and ran away from him and didn't want anything to do with him, God still was there and chased after me, and through some personal freedom we received, through some real relationships in our lives, because uh, you got to have real friends, and, I, and I'm not... I'm not talking about the people who just follow you online or, or the people that are, are, are okay to, to go have coffee with you and watch your life follow sin and never tell you the truth. That's not a friend. Um, they're, they're a leech. There's a very big difference there. You have to have people in your life tell you the truth. And you're like, God, I'm so lonely. Send me some friends. And, and God does. And they're like, hey, you need to go to a small group. And you're like, God, why are you sending me all these people that are judging me? No, that's who God sent you. They, he, God sent you people that are going to make you better. And so quit rejecting God's gift to your life. And God sent people into mine and Kelly's life that told us the truth. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest of, of all the kids in my family. And, and I've usually been a little bit rebellious in my past. And, and it was not easy for me to hear the things that I was hearing from people, especially people that I had just met. And, and I was like, dude, you know, you just want to kind of like, you don't even know me. What do you just back off? Like you don't even know who I am. And but everything in me was saying that. But on the outside, because I'm a three on the Enneagram, which you'll learn about in a little bit, I was like, oh, thank you, brother. God bless you. You're so awesome. There's an anointing on your stupid face. You know, I was like so mad. I didn't like the guy, but there, there was a personal freedom through these pastors and these leaders changed everything because these pastors and leaders led me to the place where freedom had to come out of my mouth. See, Jesus saved me from hell, but the book of James tells us that we save, our, we, we save ourselves in the path of freedom. Jesus is not going to set you free right now. You have to say it out of your mouth. You have to, the Bible says we confess sin one to another. You can tell God all day. He's like, great, I've, I've forgiven you. Stop telling me. Like, I've already tried to forget about it. Why are you bringing it back up? That's what God's saying to you. Stop talking to me about your sin. Just follow me, and the sin falls off of you. That's how it works. Get close. God, God is not as concerned about your sin as you are. He just wants your heart. And if you get closer to God, all that stuff falls off. You, can't, you won't want any of that because you're so in love with him. He's irresistible. But I found out that my freedom was found as soon as it passed through my teeth. As soon as I told somebody the truth, had somebody tell me, that pastor told me, he said, I believe hell's back was broken right now. And it's never been the same since. 
It's incredible. The Bible is actually true. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. The other thing was there was a deep internalizing of who, uh, in God's word, of who God says I am. And I had to find my identity there. And then there was another tool, and it was called the Enneagram. Enneagram is, is, is not the truth. It's just a tool. There's only one place to find truth, and that's in God's word. And it's absolute truth. It's not relative. It doesn't change based on what you think is true. God's word is absolute truth, and it's always the same, and it never changes. The word Enneagram just, just means nine points, and, and so there's nothing fancy about that. Um, it's just nine points, and it leads you. The Enneagram is just a tool to lead you on a, on a discovery track which is why we're calling this, this is who I am, this is a discovery, this is who I am, I, it, it's going to help you learn about you. So the Enneagram, it's an ancient personality typing system that helps people discover who they are, why they think the way they do, and then that leads us into talking about who am I at my best, who am I at my worst, um, and what are the motivations of my life? So it's not, it's not as simple as like the DISC assessment or the Myers-Briggs or anything like that, uh, which those are great tools. We use them at our church to help people as they onboard onto the Dream Team. But there's, there's something about the Enneagram that goes down to the motivations of a person, which is very, very different. Uh, and so it's, it, it really helped me a lot. It, it showed me how I had adopted, uh, Kelly and I both have gone through this process. It showed us how we had adopted coping mechanisms as children that helped us survive as kids. And, but now as adults, those same coping mechanisms are killing us. And they weren't helping me. And I was, so I was acting like a child pretending to be an adult and it wasn't working. And so something was, I was struggling and these, these coping mechanisms were not helping me and I began to get down to the motivations of my life. All of the types on the Enneagram, which, are, which there are nine, have their incredible strengths and their own struggles. And knowing these truths, because I know it, hap it happened in my life, knowing these truths, I believe, are going to set you on a course of freedom. And I know when the Bible says this, that the Bible is absolutely true when it says, when the Son sets you free, you are absolutely free. And so he's setting you free today, I believe, through the course of this tool. And your pastors believe in the call of God so much on your life that they, they, are, they want to bring these tools to you. And I'm so excited that they're doing this for you because there are people in our church that they're like, I, I have lived with that guilt for 35 years and never knew that it was because of this. And I've never felt so free in my life. These are the things we're hearing just this summer. So I believe you're going to find that too. Kelly and I found ourselves in a loop of discouragement and struggle. And not because we, we didn't love each other and not because we weren't trying trying to help each other. It was because we were simply unaware. We were simply ignorant of tools that could actually help us. And we were unaware of the things that were really at play inside. We were unaware that we were hurting one another even. And we were both speaking to each other based on how we wanted to be spoken to, but we're not the same person. So we've had to learn that awareness when we learned about this, we saw each other differently. I became a better dad, a better husband, a better pastor, a better leader. And we, we began to shift our lives. See, I believe God absolutely loves you, absolutely cares about you. He brought you here. God loves you so much. He brought you to the greatest church in Airdrie. That's how much he loves you. That's why he brought you here. And he wants to reveal himself to you and teach you about himself. But he also wants to teach you about you. 
And, and, this, and someone told me, Landon, that sounds a little new agey. No, it doesn't. Look at Mark chapter 12. You should love the eternal with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The second great commandment's like it. Love others in the same way that you love who? Yourself. Let's say that together. Love others in the same way that you love yourself. We hear it often, love God, love people, and yes, that's true, but loving God and loving people at the level at which they deserve is not possible without a revelation of who you are as well. You've got to have that too. Not to worship yourself or to walk around and go, look at me, I'm a type four. Who, who cares right now? Like, it's not how this works. That's not, you don't, we're not doing this for bravado's sake. This is not a pride thing. This is, this is so you can learn what has happened in you, so you can learn your true motivations, so you can relate better with other people and find out how the devil has been using you against yourself. And when I got a revelation that God was using me to fight God's favorite creation, which is me, I got a little angry, and that began to change everything. And you got to get to a place where you're fed up. And some of you are at that place right now, you're just sick and tired of living the way you're living, getting stuck in the same sin pattern, getting stuck in the same arguments at home, being stuck in the same issues. I hope today can set you free. Jesus is saying the way that you can be set free is by having genuine and real people around you. And the level that what that verse just told us is the level at which you can love God and love people, which means the level at which you'll have real relationships. You can't have real relationships without loving people. So the level at which you will love people is completely correspondent is completely connected to the level at which you love yourself. So if you look around yourself and you don't have any real friends and you look around and you're like, you feel alone, it's, it's usually the people that I've dealt with and counseled, it's usually they have a very, very low opinion of self. They don't believe in themselves and they've faked it till they made it and they'll never make it. So they live life faking it. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to live with this freedom, vibrant lives, lives of vitality, lives in the sidecar at Canada Day are lived within loving, meaningful relationships. We are, when we are emotionally and mentally and spiritually developing in a healthy way, you begin to see life so differently, so differently. St. Augustine said this, Lord Jesus, let me know myself and know you. Let me know me and you. It's very important. Very, very important. Ian Cron, the author of the book, The Road Back to You, we use that in small groups uh, in our church throughout the whole summer. He said this, human beings are not transparent to themselves. The idea that we can't see the forest for the trees is particularly true when it comes to understanding ourselves. We're, we're, we're not very good. We're, human beings are not predisposed towards positivity. We're very, human beings are just naturally cynical, naturally negative. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to fight against, you know, but, but we can do it. You got to have people around you to help you with that. But we're not, all, we're also not naturally willing, let's wake up today and discover all of the terrible motivations that have made me a person. <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody does that. But even though it's difficult to look inside yourself, and identify and understand your motivations, your desires, and your fears, even though that's difficult, it's absolutely worth it. And I want to champion that process for you today. 
So in theory, getting to know myself sounds so cute and so real. And, and, and it's like, man, I just, I just love me for me. And people like want to post it and whatever, and even use scriptures and out of context, and, you know, just is whatever. Um, but in reality, it's a lot more complicated than that. I want to help clear the air with some of that. So we're going to turn our gaze inward a little bit. And I'm just going to give you an introduction to the Enneagram. And then the next three weeks, you're going to unpack all of the types deeper and have a biblical character for each type to identify with. Super fun. Um, so I, I, but I'm a little bit mad at the rest of you types. Let me tell you why. Because out of all the biblical characters you're going to learn about, my type it was the only one in the Bible who doesn't even have a name. The Bible is like, we don't like him that much at all. We're not even going to tell you what his name is. So... For all of you that are type threes, let's be mad together, all right? So jumpstart to discovering you. The nine types are, are divided into three triads, and so that helps you identify that. Let me tell you what they are. They're driven by certain bodies and body functions and emotions, and there's, there's, it's incredible. To, isn't it incredible to note that God created us? You're not monkey spit, all right? Darwin's wrong. Darwin is wrong. So you're not, you're not, you didn't evolve one day because everyone's like, oh, that was an accident. God's, that's not how this worked. So God didn't burp and everything happened. Like this is just, this was on purpose. You were made on purpose for a purpose to do something incredible in the earth. Okay, that's how it just works. So if that's true then that means God absolutely connected your heart, soul, and mind. God's connected your physiology and your emotions. He's connected your spirit man to all of that. It, God knows all the intricate parts of your innermost being. And so doesn't it, isn't it incredible to you that God gave somebody thousands of years ago the idea to create the Enneagram? Thousands of years ago. This is not something we came up with now. It's just that one of the greatest generations in history, the millennials, have brought it back to the spotlight. So they're helping us discover who we are now. Now, don't get weird in Instagram scriptures. Just be you and help other people. But what we need to do is look in. Go, I love how God does this. So the, one of them is called the gut triad. Type 8s, 9s, and 1s are in there. Um, anger is a big deal with these, these people. It's huge in their life, and there's a reason why they had to do that. You'll uncover more of that later. The head triad, these guys are thinkers, five, sixes, and sevens. They're thinkers, mentally focused, great at thinking through problems, not so great at telling you the answer. So they, they've, got, they've got the answer, and they'll, they'll watch you suffer and go, you should have thought like I did. Like, so there's five, sixes, and sevens, you can think through that, fear is a huge deal to fives, sixes, and sevens. Fear is always in their thought process. And then next week, you're going to learn about the heart triad. These guys are feelers. I mean, they, they, if you want someone to cry with you, um, when you watch The Notebook, you find someone who's a two or three or a four. You find somebody, I mean, they'll cry with you watching anything, like a Disney movie. They cry watching Barnyard. They'll cry anywhere. They're feelers. They, they feel it. They, they, it goes through their feelings first. They connect with people well. They are the most interpersonal of all the types on the Enneagram. For the, for the, head, for the heart triad, shame is always there. Think that they always feel like they're less than. And there's comp the comparison trap is massive 
for twos, threes, and fours. So you're going to unpack this deeper in the next three weeks. I'm just here to blow in, blow up, and blow out. Corey's got to fix it all when I leave. So Enneagram type number one is the reformer. Everybody say the reformer. Now, the reformer is also called the moral perfectionist. They're rational. They're the idealistic type. Um, they're principled, purposeful, self-controlled. They see, this is what's great about the ones. They're, they see things as they could be. I mean, they got little clipboards of everything. There's, there's a pros and cons that's on the other side of those clipboards, I'm convinced. They see things as they should be, they, which is great because those of us that get caught up all up in our feelings, we need people to go, hold on, that's not on the clipboard. You know, we need to we turn... Don't do that. And, you know, let's, I have people on my team that do that for me because I'll just give everything away for free. And they're like, you can't do that. They're like, we got to pay rent. You know, that's, oh, that's important. Okay, so number one, the reformer, they see flaws before anyone else does. So we're, the reformer is huge to help us make things excellent. So if you're a one and you're on Pastor Corey and Aaron's team, when you walk into a room, you don't see the people first. You see the chair that's crooked. And then you remember all the conversations with said person who was supposed to fix the crooked chair. And now they're on the con list. You know, they are the con. And they got to work hard to get on the other side of the list. You know, it's, you think like, this is not right. Now, ones, um, they are incredible when things need to be done right. Because they see right and wrong. There is no gray in the life of a one. It is right or it is wrong. I'm a three everything's gray. So the only thing black and white is Jesus and the devil. Everything else is gray. But for ones are like, no, black or white. Everything is, is one or the other. They struggle, though, being highly critical of other people because you're not thinking as good as me. I mean, what, why would you do that? You are so... Anyway, but they, they know that they, they become very, very self-righteous quickly. And so they're, but here's the great things about them. They're honest, they're ethical, they're reliable people. They're not flakes. They're very thorough. They're hardworking. You got to convince these people that vacations are not sin. They're hardworking people. Sevens, you, you think work is sin, but ones, <laughs> vacations are sin. And so they live with high ideals and they will get a million things done before you wake up in the morning. And so their core fear is being wrong. Because if they're wrong about something, then that means they are flawed. And it speaks to their identity. So if they were wrong about that, then they are wrong as a person. Ooh, that cuts deep quick, doesn't it? So their core need is obviously to be right. I've got to be right. Which be, but in their mind, it's not, I need to be right for being right's sake. Because being right to them means balanced and good. And so you've got, doesn't this help you see people differently? Um, so I begin to see the ones in my life a lot differently, not the ones that were ruining my fun. I begin to see them a lot better um, because they were helping me. God sent them to me for, on purpose. Their core sin, we talked about already, is self-righteousness and resentment. You've always got to look out for that because you're, as a one, you're constantly frustrated with people that don't think as quick as you. And when their feelings, they're talking to you about their feelings, they're like, cares about your feelings. Okay, you're wrong. Just say it with me. I am wrong. That's like what the one wants. Just admit you're wrong, and I'm right. So the ones, you're like, I'm married to a one. Don't do that. This, it won't end well. They tend to come across as rigid, uh, which you can see that. Their core desire is to be 
Here's their core desire. Let me word it this way. What they truly want to know in their heart. What they truly need to hear from you and what they truly need to hear from God is you are good because I am good. Has nothing to do with how great you are as a person. I made you. I know you're great. God's saying you're good because I am and I'm in you. So you're good. Even though you were totally wrong and botched that whole project, you're good. Don't, lie, don't let the devil tell you that project defines you. You're good. So number two, the helper. Everybody say the helper. Oh, man, everybody loves a helper. Everybody loves a helper. Everybody loves Pastor Aaron. She's a two. She's a helper. They are caring, interpersonal. And here's how I, we got to live the effects of a two yesterday. We went to Banff, which is gorgeous, by the way. We went to Banff, and they brought out the picnic. I didn't even know we were having a picnic, but whoever turns down a picnic? You know, nobody. And, and, and of course, it was filled with things from heaven. In other words, Costco. It was all in there. <laughs> and you know, we're sitting at the base of these mountains with this crystal clear water on the weather that feels like our neck of the woods feels like, this is like what Christmas Day feels like to us. So that, this, this weather's gorgeous. I'm looking for Santa, but he's not here yet. And it was just beautiful. The twos just want to help everybody. Help, I want, I, I'm, they find ways to help. They're, the, they're also called the supportive advisor. Like, they, they, they've got your back. They want to take you through it. They're very generous. They're, they're very people-pleasing, and sometimes that can go the wrong direction if they're not careful. They're very warm people, very warm people. And you, and you can even tell the Cope kids have been raised by warm people. Like, they, they were hanging out with my kids like they liked them, and maybe they do, but they, but they, <laughs> they loved. It was my kids... My kids were up this morning. They got up at the hotel and were, were writing cards to your kids and writing down their names and totally mis, misspelling, misspelling Alish like so bad. But it was, but it was so. They loved it, loved it. They twos just create this energy with people. They they are so good at caring for people, but at, sometimes at the degradation of themselves. I'm going to care about you and not care about me, and that can go too far too fast. And if, they're, if they get unhealthy, they need to be needed. So they're looking for ways to help you, but it's not because they care to help you. It's because they, it's, it's like they're addicted to the crack of helping people. And so that's not healthy. So they, they need to feel that they're needed. Uh, they need to feel that. And that's okay. It just can't go too far. Their core fear, and here's the reason why their core fear is being rejected, being unwanted, because maybe as children, they weren't raised in a healthy home and they felt rejected all the time. So they've, they've reacted to helping, 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 and everybody accepts me now because I'm a helper. And so that really helps you understand the two a little bit better. And now that's not all across the board, but that's just very common. And so sometimes they feel like they're, they're worthless and inconsequential and dispensable if they don't get a phone call from you that they need something um, done for them. So their core need is obvious. It's being loved and wanted, being appreciated. And their core weakness, their core sin is pride. And you're like, what are you talking about? How, how is their sin pride? Well, denying your own needs and emotions and using that strong intuition to, to focus on the emotions and needs of other people 
by confidently inserting your helpful support with others is, is you're, you're trying to get them to tell you how grateful they are for you. It's you need to acknowledge how good I am to you. Like I am this to you. So it's, it's not like they hide and degrade themselves. When a two gets unhealthy, um, you'll learn about this next week, they turn into Martha in the Bible and they yell at Jesus. My sister's not as good as me. You need to tell her. And so that, that begins to shift in their heart and they need loving people around them to tell them the truth. Their core desire, what they really want to know in their hearts from you and from God is that you're wanted and loved. How about I, I help you right now? You just sit there and let me help you. Hey, twos in the room, other people want to help you too. And they, they love you regardless of how much you do for them. Right. They love you. Number three is the achiever. Everybody say the achiever. the achiever. Oh, I love me some threes. I love me some threes. Pastor Corey is a three. My blood brother. He's a three. He's the achiever. He's the achiever. No one clapped his love for us, Corey. What's the deal? What's the deal? The achiever. They're success-oriented. They, they are always looking for for how to get to the next level. Very pragmatic, excelling, driven, image conscious sometimes, wired to produce. Things have got to get done. Motivated to succeed. Or, when they're unhealthy, at least appear successful and lie to you that they are. Threes are going to get it done, though. Don't get in a threes way when they've got to get something done. It's, and you need threes, need people around them to remind them uh, to slow down because threes will just stay up all night and, and, and just be addicted to the adrenaline drip in our bodies. So threes, threes will get it done, though. Sometimes we're, we're so success-oriented, it's, it's to the point of where we don't care about ourselves at all. And we care more about how we appear to other people. Threes will struggle with copious amounts of shame because they're not self-aware. And so threes, though, on the healthy side, they are faithful, faithful, faithful. Threes and sixes are often called the Labradors of the Enneagram. They are, they've, they're, they're loyal. They only bark at bad people. Like, they're loyal. They've got your back. And they're the kind of, they're the kind of people you want around forever. They're very focused. So you got to let threes dream. Threes are the ones that live at 30,000 feet. Three, threes are the ones that they see five years down the road. And so Pastor Corey's like, guys, where we're headed. In my mind, I don't know if you've said this, but I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm prophesying right now, all right? So Co Pastor Corey, you know, he, he's, he's, he's standing in front of you, and he's like, what I see in my mind is I see a 90,000-square-foot building filled to the brim running over i see it all he sees it and you're like can we just park the cars can what it? all the ones in the room are like stop talking about 90,000 square feet stop doing that just get the mics to work like what are you get out of our way ones let the man of god preach a little bit let him let him go there do y'all do that here i don't know if y'all do it So threes, what happens with them when they're unhealthy is they avoid failure at all cost. They avoid, they'll even make failure sound like a win. Like it's, it's uncanny. So this is not a surprise to you, but most politicians are threes. It's not a surprise at all. 
It's not a surprise to us as Americans. We're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, lying involved. Yeah, that makes sense. So threes hide the truth to appear successful when they're unhealthy. But when a three is healthy, they acknowledge the failure and use it to advance. And then they inspire people through their failure. It's gorgeous. Love us, because we're good to you. It's important. (laughs) When threes are healthy, they change the world. Nothing will stop them when they're driven and healthy. It's incredible. You've got to have people like that in your life. Their fear is being exposed. Do not embarrass a three in public. That is the worst. Don't expose them like that. It is very hard for them to to overcome that. They don't want to be exposed as, as incompetent or inefficient or worthless. And those children, threes, the achiever, it's also called the performer. It's, it's like threes as children were applauded when they did things well. But when they did not do something well, they were shamed for it. So they were taught and conditioned, not across the board, but they were taught and conditioned, or at least perceived that this was what was happening, is that you're only loved if you do it perfectly. If you win, then I'll love you. And so they, taught, they were taught failure or losing a game or losing a chess match, anything, means I am wrong. God made a mistake with me. So suicide is very high for threes. So it's because threes will deny themselves, deny themselves, deny themselves. And this is why when people commit suicide, and you're like, that was the happiest guy in the room. You ever heard that? They're threes. They lied to you so well that you thought they were the most joyful, happy person, and they might have even led you to Jesus. Because they see the value in you, but they hate themselves. So even though they're denying themselves, they want to help you get better. See how the devil works like that? He's trying to take out these powerful people. Don't let the devil do that. So if you've ever thought about suicide, you need to talk to Pastor Corey today. You need to handle that today. Because the devil is a liar, and he's a thief, and he's a coward. And he'll take you at night. You've got, you can't let him do that. So their core need is to have status and respect. It's a big deal to them. Being admired, their core weakness is lying. We talked about that. Their core desire is just, I, what, they, what we need to hear from God is, I love you for you. You don't have to perform for me. I loved you before you were good at things. So I've got your back. Fours, the individualist. Everyone say the individualist. They're also called the romantics of the Enneagram. I mean, these are lovers, not fighters. These are great, great people, but they're, they're very expressive, creative, dramatic. When they're unhealthy, they're incredibly self-absorbed and temperamental. So fours, you are the f- there are fewer fours across the world than any other type. You're very rare people. You're highly driven to be creative and unique. You see a lot of fours on creative teams and drama teams and stuff like that because they think uniquely. Uh, where the ones are thinking systematically and fives are thinking systematically, fours are thinking of how can we paint the picture? You know, how can I take your spreadsheet and make it into a painting? How can I make it beautiful? Their core fear is being unnoticed. So that's why they're so creative. I'm going to use bright colors and it's going to look good. They wear tie-dye, things like that. They want to be noticed but they don't want to look like anyone else. They, they don't want to feel inadequate or emotionally cut off. Their core need is to be unique and special. Their core weakness, their core sin is envy. Feeling like, feel, force feel like they're tragically flawed. And you can tell a four on Instagram when they post those really emo pictures of themselves and they're like looking at the sunset and they're like <laughs> looking away. 
and they're kind of looking down. And they wait until the sun's at the saddest part of the day, and they take the picture. And then they put, this image represents my life. And the post is this long. And then at the end it says, Selah. And you're like, what? You can't use Bible words when you're... Don't do that. But they envy everyone else's lives, so they demean themselves so other people can try to build them back up. So you got to be careful with that. Their desire, what they want to know, is that you are loved for your uniqueness. That's already who you are. You don't have to try to make yourself look unique. You already are. Fives, the observers. Man, everyone say the observer. They're also called the investigator, most commonly the investigator. I liked Observer because the investigator sounds like a Stallone movie. So the Observer is, is, is they're very private people. Uh, fives on the Enneagram are very cerebral. Um, they, they're, they're good with people in short spurts. Like fives in the room, uh, when, when you're around people, it's draining for you because you're constantly thinking about how they're draining you. You know, you're like, it's, so that drains you. You just want to be alone in Banff by yourself, laying in that perfect grass, letting nature hug you, because you guys have like three weeks left till it's snow, right? Something crazy like that. I've seen snow three times in my life, so I know that's, that's very weird to say. But I, there's something about fives that are it's beautiful, though, because when you get away, by yourself and you recharge, you think through some of these scenarios that threes are like, I can't figure this out. And you've thought, thought it through in five minutes. Your brain is so powerful. You've got, a, you've got an approach to life that's beautiful. A five that I met named John, he said, a day without learning is like a day without sunshine. I've got to learn. So fives, you get energized. Here's what fives do when they buy a new car. Here's what sevens do not do when they buy a new car. Fives get in a new car, and they open the glove box. They get out the owner's manual. And they read the whole thing. Why? It hurts the rest of us. We just want to drive it fast and break rules. Their core fear is is being removed. That's why they gain information so they can prove to you that they're worth keeping around. That's an unhealthy thing. And they come across very arrogant when they're unhealthy because I know more than you. Their core need is being competent. That's the information. Their core sin is avarice. Their core sin is they, they, they feel like they lack inner resources and, and that too much interaction is going to lead to catastrophic depletion. So fives wake up in the day. You can plug in an iPhone and in the morning it's got 100%. Fives wake up, it's been plugged in all night, they got 20%. And so they spend all day long going, that sounds like too much work. That, I don't want to do that. Just let someone else handle that. I don't want, no, I don't want to do that. I, I, let's, because we've got this coming up in four weeks and I need to conserve. You know, they're thinking that far ahead, which is beautiful in some scenarios, sad in others. You know, you can see how that could happen. So fives have so many answers that they're very greedy with the answers, and they don't want to give you the answers. They're like, no, you should have thought of that. I knew the answer when you bungee jumped. You should have thought about how the cord might snap. Sad for your family. You know, it's like there are not a lot of feelings there. 
All right, they're in the head triad. They don't feel that. So, you know, that's a very dark example. Sorry. That's not even in my notes. I should just stick to my notes. I'm sorry. Let's try to make this happy. Let's just skip to the set. Just kidding. Number six, the loyalist. Everybody say the loyalist. They are committed people. I mean, if you've got a six in your corner, they will not leave you nor forsake you. They've got your back. They're security oriented. They're also called the loyal guardian. They've got your back. They're highly responsible people, but highly anxious and suspicious people. When they, when sixes walk into a room as parents, you automatically have calculated all the weirdos in the room that might affect your children. You go to the park, you go on a mommy date with all the mommies to the park, and you've automatically identified who the weird moms are, who the homeschool moms are, who the working moms are, and the weird guy in the panel truck selling ice cream. You've already seen him. Like, you've, you already, you've already found all of the potentially nuclear devastating scenarios. So when sixes are unhealthy, they're like, no, we can't do that because this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, and we'll all die. Like, you've already... Wow. Like it, so when threes are healthy, they go to the best side of a six. So there are some times where I bring up a scenario and my wife is an eight and she's like, well, that escalated quickly. And my, my, my son's jumping off the bed. I'm like, bro, quit jumping off the bed. You're going to break your neck and die. And then I'd be sad forever. And she's like, wow, that's a, that escalated quickly. How about you just might hurt your toe? That's also an option. But I just went nuclear, just right to the jugular. Let's just end it now. Let's just get it. Sixes are, are very pragmatic in that way. And their core fear is being without support on their own. So that's why they try to support everyone else so much. I need, it's, it feels a lot like a two in some ways in that regard. But they feel like they're going to be blamed for something. So that's why they need to know the scenarios. And their, their core sin is fear. You're going to learn about this when you talk about Peter. Uh, Peter was one of the most engaging, powerful people in the Bible, but was also the one in the Bible who struggled the most with absolute fear. You're going to see how they swing back and forth very quickly and, and how they use that in their lives. It's very interesting. Their desire is, I need to know that I'm safe and secure. They need to know that. They need to know that they're safe. In the same way that they make other people feel safe, they need to know that they are too. Number seven is the enthusiast, busy, fun-loving type. Sevens don't really make plans well because they're like, yeah, I might be there. They keep their options open in case a better plan comes up. Like, yeah, I might come to your party unless so-and-so invites me to theirs. So they keep the plans open. They're very hard. They don't commit well. They're also called the entertainer. They love parties. While they're at a party, they're not even having fun at that party because they're planning the next party. That'll be better than the one they're in. They just love having fun. And they want the work to be over so they can go have fun. So the seven's in the room. You're like, yeah, let's get church over so I can go do something fun. This is fun. What are you talking about? You're not having fun right now? This is fun. <laughs> They're highly engaging people. People love sevens. You got to give them a long leash. You got to let them play. You got to let them have fun because they'll show you exciting parts of life that you never saw. You've got to let them run. You've got to let them go there. Their core fear is being trapped in emotional pain. They Peter Pan their way through life and just stay a child forever so they don't have to deal with the real issues. So their fear is being trapped in that pain, so they just want to go have fun. 
I don't want to deal with it. So they bury their head in the sand. And they need to feel content. That's their need. They want to feel content, so they chase experience after experience. Sometimes it doesn't come. So they feel very down on themselves when it doesn't. So it's easy to see how their core sin would be gluttony. Just, I want to have it all. I want to do it all. And not for anyone else's benefit, just for my own reasons. And so if they're not careful, that takes over. Eights are the challengers, the protectors. Eights, you're powerful people. Martin Luther King Jr. was a challenger. Powerful people who can, they care about justice. Challengers will look at the face of injustice and call it out in front of everybody. And where threes are diplomats and will kind of go around the bush a little bit with it, H to stand in the middle of the room and go, no, you did it. Steve Jobs is an example of an eight. When he left Apple, Apple started to tank. They were a terrible company. So they brought him back. One of his first staff meetings at Apple, everyone's like, oh, Steve Jobs is back. And they were like trying to make it a pep rally. And then he gets up there with the microphone and he's like, what's wrong with Apple? And they're like, uh, they start giving all these terrible answers. He goes, you're what's wrong with Apple. All of you, all of our employees, you're all what's wrong with it because you created this terrible product. And he threw it on the ground and then the iPhone was born. Eights change the course of history when they challenge mediocrity. Eights are powerful people, but you're also called the bulldozers of the Enneagram. You scare us to death when you're unhealthy. You scare children when you're unhealthy. Santa is scared of you. It's when you're unhealthy, you just, you don't care about other people's opinions. You just bulldoze their needs because they, they're wrong. This is right. I know the right answer and it might be the right answer, but you handled it in the wrong way. And so you have to adapt to that. Their fear is being powerless and weak. So as children, eights had to take up arms to be safe. Most, most eights, their parents were divorced. And so they grew up having to defend themselves. So they had to take up arms to be safe. And then as adults, it makes sense that they, they still get triggered and they fight back. They, 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 they go to blows when all, all, the, all the rest of us are like, whoa, calm down. And I'm married to an eight. Don't ever tell an eight to calm down. You may not make it out alive. So don't say that. <laughs> Their core sin is lust. And not in the sexual sense. It's lust for intensity. So when eights are in a room and everything's just fun, they just bring up politics to watch everyone fight because it's too, it's too nice in here. So eights really love the iron on iron thing. Eights really love that. When, when you fight with an eight, they're like, man, I love you. And they hug you tighter. You're like, and you're sobbing in a fetal position. And they, and they love you more. I'm so confused. But eights love that back and forth. So here's their core desire. They, they want to hear from God and hear from you that I'm not going to betray you. Don't fight me. I'm your friend. I've, I've got your back. And eights, people can be close to you without having an ulterior motive. You can trust people. And then the last one before we pray together is the peacemaker, the mediator. People love nines. I've got nines on my team, uh, and uh, our personal assistant is a nine. And every time we see her, we're just like, oh, just 
they don't even talk and you just love life. They're great people. They're easygoing. Uh, they're receptive. They're reassuring. They're very agreeable. And they're very complacent, lazy, boring when they're unhealthy. They don't move the needle because they're afraid to because their opinions as children meant nothing. So the nines as children, their voice didn't matter in the home. And so they, they helped mediate disputes even between mom and dad. They helped mediate everything, but they never took care of themselves. They see everybody's perspective. Nines are great in that way. Nines, nines see it from everyone's viewpoint. They truly care about your opinion. They're non-judgmental. They truly care. And when they're unhealthy, they avoid confrontation at all costs. They don't want to, confrontation is pain. It's not healthy like it is to an eight. They avoid it. And so you see a lot of nines, they're married 25 years, the kids leave the house and they get divorced. And they say things like, we just grew apart. Because not, one or both of them never said what they were really feeling in their heart. And so when the kids left and they had no reason to be distracted, they just grew apart. So their core fear is being in conflict. It makes them very antsy. But when they're healthy, they go into conflict knowing it's going to hurt a little bit, but it's necessary. And that's good. They don't have, you don't have to like conflict, but you need to do it. Of course, sin already said is laziness, slothfulness. The Bible says it's something to repent of. It's sin. We've got to repent of that. And I'm not talking about couch potato lazy, which that's bad. But things like, ah, we'll get to it later. No, I don't want to deal with that right now. It's put it off, put it off, procrastination. It's those kinds of things. Those things need repented of. Here's what you need to hear, nines. Your voice and your presence matters. Your voice matters. Every one of you in this room, as we get ready to close, your voice matters. Your voice matters. Look at Mark 12, 30. Same verse we read in the message translation, though. Look what it says. It says, here is the second commandment. Love others as well as you love yourself. As well as. So what I take this to mean is you take care of yourself first. I'm going to be on another airplane with my family today going to Seattle for a conference. And they always say, put the oxygen mask on you first. And I'm sitting there looking at my kid. I'm like, that would be the hardest thing to do. Like the, the plane's in trouble and here I am taking care of me. While my kid sits there and watches me take care of me. That would be, but they're telling you that on purpose, you will lose life if you don't take care of yourself. If you don't speak up for yourself. And you're like, Landon, that might be easy for you to say. You're an American, you're all loud and you yell at things. I, okay, I, I know you're thinking that. And I'm a Texan, so it's worse. I get it. And you guys are so chill. You might hate me right now, but you're smiling. I wouldn't even know. So let's all be friends, eh? I mean, so that's just how it works. I've heard A so many times. This I just love y'all so much. It's so fun. I wonder if it might be time for you to start speaking your mind in a healthy way. Spouses, you need to talk to each other in a healthy way. You need to go at your motivations. You need to... It's not okay for you to put off the needs of God's most favorite creation because the level at which you'll have a vibrant life in Jesus is completely connected to the level at which you see and love and know yourself. The Enneagram helps us 
love ourselves. For too long, the devil has convinced you that you were broken, when in actuality, you were bought with a price. He bought you. Jesus bought you with his blood. He paid for you. For too long, the devil made you believe that you were purposeless, when in actuality, you were created on purpose for a purpose. For too long, the devil made you believe that you weren't worthy, when in fact, Jesus said you were worth his very life. And today, we're going to come back to the truth, a truthful reality that we are who Jesus says we are, and believe in the hope that when we get a true picture of that, when we get a true picture of our identity in Jesus, when we get the big picture of who God is in our life, that God wants to lead you even today through this message, I believe, through a vi to a fresh new life in Jesus, that there is a difference in this world ready to be made by a healthy version of you. And God wants to lead you there. And everybody bow your head and close your eyes. God, we thank you for what you're doing. And God, we know it's going to take all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. God, we know that. We know that, God, we know it's going to take all of our passion, all of our prayer, all of our intelligence, all of our energy, God, but we know that it's going to happen, but God, we know that as we begin to discover you and we begin to discover a renewed purpose in you, that we will have a brighter outlook on tomorrow. And God, today, together, all of us, we say that the devil no longer has control over my time. The devil no longer has control over my emotions, that the devil no longer has control over my voice, that I will will do the hard work to become the most healthy version of myself because Jesus didn't save, didn't just save me from hell. Jesus is saving me from living like hell on earth and that right now I can live a vibrant life with Jesus. I can think healthy thoughts. I can walk with my head held up high. I am no longer held, held down by the generational sins and curses of my family, but thy family tree can change forever because I decided to change it today. So with all of your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we're going to pray together out loud and we're gonna, you're going to repeat after me because we're all a family. We're going we're gonna to make sure the devil hears this and we're going to give him as many black eyes as we can this morning. If you've never met Jesus before, this is your moment. And we're not going to call you down or embarrass you or anything like that. You're going to sit right in your seat. And I'm not even going to make you stand up or look at me. I just want you to sit there today. And you're going to know if it's you. If your heart's racing a little fast, it's you. Your body is physiologically reacting to your emotional and spiritual connection to what was said today. God made you that way. So, oh, I'm not nervous. No, it's not nerves. It's, it's God is calling you to repentance today. And maybe you've met Jesus before, but you, you saw the feather banners outside and you, you felt something pull you into the parking lot and you knew that you would never be the same if you just gave God another chance. Today's that chance. You can come back home today. So everybody repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Your word says that when I receive you, I become a brand new creation. I'm not renovated. I'm made brand new. So I boldly declare today that I am renewed, that my spirit is renewed, and my mind is being renewed. I declare again that I am a Christian and that I'll never be the same. Never, never, never in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody give God praise and say the biggest loud amen. Give him praise today.
We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.